Did they miss us? Do you think they missed us? just let the party music keep on rolling because on today's edition of the 1203 we're throwing a party parker h town throw it down baby throw it down for the h the astros have advanced despite all the hate just like that just like that well the hate is indeed the part i'm focusing on right now because obviously celebration but how sad were the ESPN announcers? They were very, at least in game one, I actually got to watch uh, some of game one. When we came back in the ninth inning, I mean, it was just, oh, a lot of tears were shed. I mean, you could hear the pain in their voices. They, they kept talking about, well, the Astros cheated, the Astros mm-hmm. cheated all back in 2017. They were showing the stats of Altuve and how he was struggling or whatever. And they were just like, so so sad when uh Brantley hit that go ahead and then I mean the, the, the snowball just fell down and talk about I mean Fran Valdez oh my god Valdez We're, at a game he really did we're gonna break it all down in today's show I'm Reed Graff Parker Ray is joining me it's just us two this week we've had a lot of great guests on over the past few weeks yes. my brother Ryan Sean Shannon came on the show last week had a great conversation but we have such good stuff to talk about. Uh, the positivity is at the highest. It's been in a while here on the 1203. For those of you that have no idea what we're talking about, the Astros defeated the Minnesota Twins. I believe it was three to one today uh, to advance. Three to one today, yeah. Three to one. Uh, they swept the series two nothing, and they are now headed to the American League Division Series despite losing Justin Verlander, despite losing. So many different we have we've had injuries all year long. We've been playing minor leaguers, dude. We have, we are below 500 heading into the playoffs. All we heard is how this is the twins year. Twins yeah. are gonna be the heroes. But well, we took it to the twins. Astros. They talked, they talked about it. They talked about it. They were like, uh, they were like, I mean, this is just how bad the announcers were. <laughs> okay. Because they didn't give I mean, they may have talked about records a little bit, but they didn't really give a lot of stats. It was just the way their voice was. They were just like a terrible road team came in and beat a great home team. And while statistically that may be true, it's just the way they said it. When the Astros won game one, they were like, well, I guess that could happen. A terrible, you know, shitty road team came in and beat the Twins. Just how did that happen? There's no way it's happening again in game two. And, well – would you look at that? Game two was a lot safer, I would say, even than game one. Game one, I was like, I was scared. Game two, I was like, okay, I kind of got a little more confidence going into game two. And then when the Astros took the lead, I mean, Carlos Correa, after that Carlos Correa home run, I guess it was like in the seventh inning, I was like, okay, the Astros are, they're closing the deal. This is the playoff Astros. This is like Correa hit the home run. We're, we don't care where we're playing. Like, this team is still damn good. I mean, people don't realize the talent this team still has. It's, it's as simple as this. The Astros know how to win. They know how to win yeah. in the postseason. They know how to win buzzer or not, trash can or not. This team has been there, done that. They know how to win in the postseason. 
Twins do not. So that's what it came down to. One team knows how to win when it matters. One team didn't. And that's what we saw. Uh, let's break down game one a little bit. In game one, of course, Zach Greinke gets the start. Goes about, what, four innings? I'm pulling up the box score right now so I can go in a little bit more in depth. Yeah. Uh, I, know that he, I know that he yeah. left early. Um, so Greinke goes four innings, strikes out one, gives up two hits and an earned run. Uh, I think I think the game is we are down one nothing when he comes out of the game in the fifth inning. Um, down one nothing, the Astros then get a run in the seventh on a single by George Springer, one of the guys that's probably not going to be on the team next year. For being honest with ourselves, um, George Springer singles, scores Josh Reddick in the top of the seventh, and then. And in the top of the ninth, when it matters most, the team that knows how to win wins. Get the bases loaded. Jose Altuve walks. Yuli scores. Also, we're going to talk about Yuli here in a little bit. Some more big news. And then later in the inning, it's two to one. Michael Brantley comes up, delivers the big two-run single. Uh, Uncle Mike gets the job done. Astros take game one. But really, the star of that game is Framber Valdez. Five innings, yes. five strikeouts, two hits, no runs. The dude just shoved. Yeah, and they were talking a lot about Valdez, too. And uh, the announcers were like, well, is he going to go back out there? Is he going to go back out there? Well, uh, is Dusty going to pitch him? Oh, Dusty's going to take him out now. I know Dusty is. Look, Dusty's over there. He's going to take him out. Oh, if he gets this hitter on, Dusty's for sure taking him out. They were second-guessing Dusty. I mean, every step of the way. And they were doing it in the ninth inning, too. They were like, there's no way Valdez comes back out in the ninth inning, which I don't know. Maybe the difference between A.J. Hinch and Dusty, maybe A.J. would have taken him out early in the ninth inning and said, here, let's throw in Warren Plesley. Let's do this. But Dusty sees, okay, my guy's working. My guy's doing good. You could tell Valdez looked over to the bull, to the dugout, looked right at D Dusty. Dusty just stares back at him and says, hey, this is your game, baby. You're the reason we're in this game. You're the reason we're winning. You're going to finish this game. And that's the player's coach Dusty Baker is. Not saying A.J. wasn't a player's coach, but Dusty Baker is a player's coach. Everybody knows that. And he had confidence in his players, and he was like, listen, I see the sheet. I see the sheet. I should probably – in this situation, it would make sense to bring in Ryan Presley, whatever. But I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stick with Valdez. I'm going to stick with the guy who has the momentum. And it turned out great. Valdez got out of the inning – uh, Astros win 4-1. Um, I mean, he was kind of had that Charlie Morton vibe where he just kept going and going. Is Are we ever going to take him out? Nope. He's just pitching and pitching and pitching. And, you know, 60-something, 70-something pitches later, the Astros win the game. And before you know it, Valdez, I mean, he was just – he was unbelievable. It was awesome to watch. Speaking of Charlie Morton, I got a stat for you from that game. Mm. No Astros relief pitcher in the history of the franchise had ever pitched – more than four innings in relief in a postseason game. The last one to pitch four innings was Charlie Chuck Morton in game seven of the 2017 World Series. Now, Framber Valdez came in and threw five innings. So he not only did he set a precedent, he followed up on another awesome post, uh, you know, obviously postseason uh, showing by Charlie Morton. I'm also trying to pull up some stats for you. So that just goes to show, like, how important of a contribution that was from Framber. Framber is only 26 years old. He was probably, for being honest with ourselves, he was probably the Astros' best pitcher in 2020. 
3.57 ERA. He started a l- 10 games, went five and three through 70 innings, uh, only gave up five homers, um, struck out 75, and walked 16. That is a really strong walk, uh, strikeout to walk ratio. And Framber is really starting to look like he could be a key part of this rotation going forward. And I think with that kind of postseason effort, we got one from Jose or Equity last year. Um, mm-hmm. We got a really good, strong postseason performance. The Astros all of a sudden on a, a team that's been really hurt by pitching and is apparently they lost Justin Verlander for next year at the at, I mean, at the latest. Um, yeah. This is a team was... that all of a sudden has some pitching depth and guys like Framber, <sighs> Christian Javier shoved today in game two. I mean, this is an Astros team that doesn't have a ton of the big name pitchers. You got Zach Greenkey, you got Lance, but uh, you know, without Justin Verlander, you lost a lot of that depth, but obviously it's still there. Yeah. From a casual, I guess from a casual baseball spectator, cause I know uh, you definitely go more in depth than I do. And when it comes to baseball, I was just thinking, okay, I was talking to my dad. I was like, yeah, we got, we got Granky. We've got McCullers, but who is going to be that number three step up guy? And I'm thinking like, you know, you're Queedy or Valdez. Right now, I'm, I would lean Valdez just because of what it's he did. It's definitely going to be Valdez. But Valdez is going to be – because you know when you get into those five-game series and seven-game series, you need at least three good, solid starters you can count on. And uh, McCullers and Granke, obviously, boom, right there. And then, you know, you throw in Valdez, and if you get this type of Valdez, um, the, the sky is the limit for the Astros. And we know offense is going to be there because – Look, I mean, Correa, all those guys that are still stepping up. Uncle Mike, the other day, but the day before, Kyle Tucker, your boy Kyle Tucker, two big RBIs today for Kyle Tucker. He was he was responsible for two-thirds of the offense today. I've been so, saying he's legit for yeah. years. Now we're seeing it. Now we're seeing it in the playoffs, nonetheless. So there's no argument to be made against Kyle Tucker. Uh, there's really no argument. I mean, Correa's balling. Uh, Springer's doing his thing, obviously. You know, Springer is Springer's gone whatever if he's gone this is the way to treat him off get him another World Series ring and then as sad as it is let him walk let him do what he wants maybe they are playing a little bit for Springer maybe they are playing a little bit for pride at this moment uh they know they've been trash talked uh pun intended trash talked this whole year and so this is the revenge story we were talking about maybe it didn't start in the regular season. Maybe the regular season was just a warm-up because it was just 60 games. Maybe the Astros are finally getting to what would usually be like around mid-season form. Maybe they are getting to that point in time now because we saw it a little bit against the Rangers when they scored 12 runs against the Rangers in the one game. I know it was just the Rangers, and people are like, why are you celebrating a Rangers win? It's because for the longest time this season, we haven't seen the Astros – we haven't seen the Astros dominate baseball game like that like they did against the rangers it's been a while since we've seen that we're used to these double digit onslaughts by the astros uh bats well we saw it against the rangers and we're starting to see key timely hits in the playoffs and the offense starting to explode you know those seventh eighth and nine innings for the astros those are the magic innings you get you get in a close game with the astros going into the seventh eighth or ninth inning you should be nervous because of the playoff experience and because of the guys they have on their roster. It's no, it's not going to be an easy game. There's not going to be an easy win when you play the Houston Astros this, this year in the playoffs. It's, it's not the same. It's not the team we saw in the regular season. It's a different team. Now it's playoff mode. And I think 
they finally reached playoff mode, and that's just a dangerous thing for most teams. I don't think I don't think people around the league realize that either. Yeah. Like th- there is something to that, to being able yeah. to win in October when it matters. The, and the Astros have proven they can do that. They, they've been doing it for a while now. They did it in 2015, came up just short against the Royals, and then they did it in 2017. You know, trash cans or not, uh, they did it in 2019. They they've reached. They, get this. They've reached the champion championship. The the ALCS for the past three years. Three years in yeah. a row. That doesn't yeah. happen by accident. Like that, this is a team that knows what it knows what what it is doing in in October in the postseason. Yeah, maybe not as strong of a team as it was a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, but it is still a team that knows how to win. Knows how to win in the postseason. They're going to continue to do this, so you might as well get used to it. Because um, the Astros are going to be in the in the postseason, and they're going to win in the postseason for probably a long time. It's just. The way it is, this is a group that knows what they're doing and they know how to win when it matters. But let's talk about that broadcast. I admittedly did not watch much of game one. It was in the middle of the day. Tuesdays are busy days for me, so I did not get to it. I caught a little bit of today's game. um, And if you were listening to the ESPN broadcast, then you would know that it actually wasn't Carlos Correa that hit the go-ahead home run in the seventh inning today. No. No, it was Alex Correa. So, got to make, got to correct you on that. It was. Oh, I thought you were like. I was like, oh, pretty sure it was Carlos. According, according to the ESPN <laughs> broadcast, it was Alex Correa that hit the home run. Not, not Carlos Bregman. Don't, don't, don't mind you. But. Alex Correa hit the home run, and that you know. So, it just beautiful broadcasting by ESPN. But, definitely no bias. Definitely oh, didn't run a graphic of Trevor Bauer, who had no relevance to the series at all. No relevance at all. all. Oh, by the way, Reds lost today, so screw it, Trevor Bauer. You're going to be out of the playoffs here. And yeah. So. Well, that just that's unbelievable to me that they didn't know who uh, Carlos Correa was, and the fact that is one of the be- one of the better players on one of the the top teams in the league. Whether you want to look at record or not, the Astros have been a top team for a while now. They're earlier in the season before the season started, they were still one of the favorites, if not if not the favorite to win it all. So now all of a sudden you're acting like, oh, there's no way this team can win now. I mean, look at the, look at the regular season record. Look at the record. There's no way they can come into Minnesota and win. Oh, who's this guy? Oh, some random Alex Correa hit. No, he's not random. He's an M- he's a World Series champion. Alex, M- World at Series champion. Best, he's an MVP, MVP caliber yes. player. One of the World best Series champions. There's I don't care how they got – I don't care about the statistics or whatever. Or whatever. I mean, not the statistics, but the – the way they got it or the cheating or whatever, they're World Series champions. And they were in the playoffs last year, and they were in the World Series last year and almost won last year. So this Astros core is still very, very good. It's it's like they completely dismissed it. They lost their marbles when the cheating stuff came out. And now it's like it's the narrative they keep running with. They keep going back to the well because the Astros are the only thing in baseball that's worth watching. They really is. Astros are the only thing in baseball that's actually – interesting to watch for this normal if you're just a normal sports fan you're like oh i hope the astros i hope you you want to see the astros lose really bad or you want to see them win very bad you're it's kind of like lebron james in, in basketball that's why they keep talking about lebron the same reason they keep talking about the astros and dogging the astros is because astros are the narrative they can run with and they can get more clicks and they can get more likes and average baseball fans are like yeah i hope the astros get pegged today i hope they get creamed you know, people who don't know anything about the sport are going to tune in 
to watch the Astros and their numbers are going to go up. So that's why they're running with this narrative. And the Astros can be the bad guy. That's fine. They keep winning. They keep being the bad guy. I'm 100% okay with them being the bad guy and making everybody else in the country mad. I'm, I'm so fine with that. We can be like the bad boy Pistons. I'm, I'm completely fine with that. Well, they can keep hating and we'll keep winning. Yeah. You, you yeah. did mention the core, keeping that core together. I think James Click may have showed he's willing to, to spend and make that happen because he signed Yuli Gurriel, the Astros' first baseman, to a one-year extension. And Now, mind you, Yuli's like 35, so he's, he's up there. But he had a career year last year, had a pretty solid year this year. Signed a new one-year extension, keeping that infield together. <clears throat> I think Carlos Correa's contract year is next year. Bregman's locked up, Altuve's locked up. So you're keeping that infield together. Where do you see them going in the offseason as far as re-signings go? I think you're going to – you're Brantley, Springer, and Reddick are all free agents. I can just about tell you Reddick's probably not coming back. Um, not, not, not any slight against Josh Reddick. I just don't think that he fits, especially with the emergence of Kyle Tucker and what Kyle Tucker has done. I just don't think he fits – that's so many lefty bats. They're going to keep, if they're going to keep two of them, it's probably going to be George Springer and Michael Brantley. I'd be really shocked if they kept both. Now the question to you, I know we just won a playoff series, so we're not in the post in the off season yet, but if you had to choose, you can keep George Springer, but it's going to cost you a lot. You can keep Michael Brantley, but it won't cost you as much, but he's obviously not quite the MVP type player. What would you do? Keep in mind, Lance McCullers is going to have to be re-signed. Carlos Correa is going to have to be re-signed. Altuve is going to eventually have to be re-signed. So keep that in mind when you make this decision. Yeah, and I've said – and I uh, and I was thinking about this like a few years – I mean, even a few years back I was thinking about this. Like, who are you going to – who's the odd man out? Because when you're looking at the Astros core, I, I think of the big four. I think of Correa. I think of Altuve. I think of Springer. And I think of Bregman. Those are my four cornerstone guys. I mean, I think every Astros fan would say the same. I'd agree. So, uh, but the odd man out is George Springer, and I just hate to say it. I love George Springer. He's a catalyst. He's a spark plug. He's, he's the, the guy. Second, he's the second best center fielder in the AL. Yeah, no, straight he is. up, straight up, he is. But then you look. But then that's where it gets. That's that's just where it gets tricky because then you've got like Alex Bregman, the best. Third baseman, right? Yeah, Altuve. Rendon, Rendon gives him a run, but yeah. yeah Altuve, Altuve, the best second baseman, in my opinion. Um, Correa. I would one say Javi, the best. Javi plays short. Yeah, Correa, one of the best shortstops. So um, I think you, I think you have to lose. Uh, I think you have to lose Springer, and then just try to resign some of those other guys. I mean, I think you, if you keep Springer and I mean, if you keep Springer and then lose a couple of the other guys, then it, it, it kind of defeats the purpose of, 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 of doing that. So I think Springer's the odd man out. And then if you can bring Brantley back for a kind of a lower price, which I think would, um, Brantley's great. Kyle Tucker's great. Um, Jordan's great. Jordan's great. We wouldn't have that spark plug, but um, we would, I think emotionally I want to keep Springer, but, uh, logically, I just think you have to – he's the odd man out and has been for a while, and I know he wants to go back to the Northeast. I was going to say, that's, here, that, that's, that's the where issue. he's from. That's he's where he's Connecticut. from. He's a Connecticut guy. Yeah, no, he'll go – I'll probably go play for the Yankees. He'll probably no, do that. No, no, dude, he's going to Boston. Because Connecticut, Connecticut, he's from UConn. He went to the University of UConn. 
Um, I don't really know much about his wife, but I don't know where she's from. Uh, Boston is in just dire need of a spark plug. They just lost Mookie Betts. It makes sense. It just makes sense for him to sign in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, I, especially with all the cheating scandal and all the fallouts, I feel like he's one of the guys that has been pushed away by that. Maybe um, I could be wrong. I could just, just, just a feeling I'm getting. I, I predict him signing with Boston. That's just what, what I. Well, what, I knew he would. I knew he would go to the Northeast for sure. I, I don't think like he's going to go to New York. Teams. I don't think I'm a, this is going to sound crazy. I don't think New York has the money to spend on George Springer. George Springer is going to mm. be expensive. And they've spent so much money in the past two or three years on guys like uh, Giancarlo Stanton and Garrett Cole, and they're going to have ah. to re-sign Judge. And yeah. So, like, I just don't think they can afford another, especially considering who they're going to have to re-sign. I don't think New York can afford another massive signing like that in the next two to three years. Maybe they could, I, and I could be underestimating the power of the New York New York bank account, but I just, with the massive Stanton contract, the massive uh, Garrett Cole contract, Glaber is going to need to be re-signed. Judge is going to need to be re-signed. Severino, like, I just, I don't see them making that kind of signing. I'm predicting, I hate to talk about this while we're still playing, but I, I'm, I, I would be really shocked if Springer didn't start the 2021 season in a Red Sox uniform. I mm-hmm. sure would love to see him in the orange and blue again, but I, I just don't know how likely that is. So, uh, maybe yeah. enjoy these last few games with George Springer hitting in the leadoff spot. Well, that that plays into my whole thing of winning it for George. I mean, I would agree. Get get one more ring for George, and then he's gone, and that's two rings with Springer in an Astros uniform. I mean, he'd still be one of my favorite you also, Astros. You also hear players talk about a lot, right? Where it's like they have two goals. There's there's like the two major goals in career: win a ring, get paid. He's already won a ring. It's time to get paid. Yeah, he's gonna get paid, and he's gonna ride off into the. He can he can ride off in the sunset in he can. Boston, and I'm fine with that. I'm perfectly fine with that for George if that's what he wants to do, and that's what he ends up doing. It doesn't doesn't bother me because I think that's where he wants to end up, and I think the Astros moving forward have got some some promising prospects. I mean, heck, Kyle Tucker doing all this this year has been eye-opening for me and a lot of other people. I know you knew he was good. I knew he was going to be good. Kyle Tucker being this good for some people has been just outstanding news for everybody involved. So um, I'm excited about the prospect of him. And then you can move, you can move the outfield around. You can, you can make things happen. I mean, we're still going to be good. If Springer walks, Brantley's almost for sure coming back. I feel pretty confident about that. Yeah. And then you have Brantley. Jackie Bradley Jr., is also going to be a free agent. He'd make a lot oh, of sense. Just scoop him up. He's a speed. He's a speed guy. And Speedster, left-handed yeah. bat, can hit for pop. He's basically yeah. a higher ceiling Reddick, if that makes sense. He's a oh, defensive yeah. Reddick is, he, is great on defense, but Reddick doesn't really have the offense that you can count he's on. He's consistent, but he's not going to, you know, hit the walk-off yeah, he's homers. Not, he's not going to hit the four, three-run bombs. Like and I Jackie love Bradley. Jackie Bradley can do that, and Jackie Bradley's the type of dude that a scenery change might do him some good. That's that's a name to keep an eye on. Um, there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of other teams that would love Jackie Bradley Jr. So, but just something to yeah, no. And then the Astros still have we've seen all these younger promising pitchers too. So uh, there's still hope. There's still hope for Astros. So people were freaking out about the cheating and then the not having the picks and. They were like, oh, the Astros dynasty, it's completely over now. Boo-hoo, whatever, it's done. Now Now the potential for an Astros dynasty is completely ruined. And I, I'm saying, I'm saying no. I'm saying this dynasty can still span. I'm saying we still have room to grow. We still have young guys coming in 
on both sides of the ball. And so I've got a young name for you to follow. Too. I'm excited. There is yep. an outfielder by the name of Colin Barber. Hmm. Keep an okay. eye on that name. He is a young kid. He was a high schooler drafted last, last year um, by the Astros in like the fourth, fifth round has incredible raw power. He's a five. He could be a five tool player. He's just got to be able to hit consistently. I think he got hurt his senior year of high school. So he didn't play or something like that. Um, but that is a name to follow Colin Barber. So hmm, if Colin Barber ends up being in Port Porton in two to three years, you heard it here first in the 1203. Let's look forward to, let's go back to current times. The Astros are either going to face Oakland or Chicago. Before the show started, Oakland had a lead on Chicago in game two of the wild card series. Chicago took game one. This is the Chicago White Sox. A's took game two. So it is tied 1-1. The Astros will face the winner of the White Sox and athletics. I, I assume game three will be played tomorrow. Um, that'll be an interesting series. Who would you rather see? Oakland has kind of got the best of us this year, but Oakland doesn't scare me quite as much as Chicago does. Chicago's got some really big bats. Um, they've got a really, really good young pitching rotation. It's a team kind of eager to, to win uh, something. White Sox haven't been able to do much. Uh, and the A's are the A's. I mean, they're just a consistent, solid team. No really superstars, unless you count Matt Chapman. Um, but they've got pretty solid pitching all the way around. They have a rat in their rotation. With the, Used to have a weird mustache, so maybe we could beat up on him a little bit. You know what? All of a sudden, I really want the A's, just to spite Mike Fires. But what do you think? I'm really not. I'm really. I'm really not scared of <laughs> of either team. To be honest with you, I, I, I get scared when I'm looking. I, I look ahead. I tend to do this sometimes with the uh, Houston sports, and it always comes back to bite me in the butt. Obviously, the ALDS that now that we're there is going to be difficult, no matter who we play, A's, White Sox. But I'm already looking ahead to the ALCS and the team that scares me the most right now in the AL is the Rays. I agree. The Rays, Rays are, are the team Rays are tough. that I, I still think are going to win uh, the AL and the Astros may give them a, a fighting, a, you know, a scare, uh, but it doesn't shape up. It doesn't have that big, cause I mean, just the big dog feel and the fact that we've been there before. And if the Yankees get knocked out, that's wonderful. And then you're looking at okay. Then you're looking at okay. So the the, the Indians, um, the Indians get knocked out by the Yankees, and then the Yankees get knocked out by the maybe the Rays in the next. It'll be round. the Rays. The Rays are about to advance. They're up eight two. They already yeah. have a one one run. They already have a one game lead. They're up eight two in the bottom of the. And then so the and then so you have the Astros. Uh, if you get that's that point, the Astros versus the Rays in the AL. Well, actually, let's just talk about this. The next four teams remaining. You got the Yankees and Rays. We already think the Rays are going to win that. Then you have, like, say, the A's and the Astros. Are the are the Astros and the, and the White Sox? It doesn't matter. But out of those teams, once the Yankees leave, the Astros are the only team that can look around and say, hey, we've been there before. Our guys have been there before. We're not scared. Our organization knows how to win in the playoffs. Yes, record-wise, we may be the suckiest team out there, record-wise, if you're going off a record. If you're going off a playoff experience and playoff mode, that's why I say I, I just look at the names of the teams, the teams that just haven't been there deep in the playoffs like the Astros have. The Astros are going to look around and be like, hey, we may not be the team that's supposed to win, but we have guys that know how to win. And sometimes that playoff experience, you see it in all types of sports all the time. The, the, weak, the, the team with the less record, they go in 
and they play a team that's very experienced. They, they're, they're the very experienced team. And they play a team that's been hot, but is not as experienced at winning in the playoffs. And the, the team with the worst, the worst record ends up surprising them and beating them because they know how to win in October. And like you said, there's something to that. So none of the teams really wants, if the Yankees can get knocked out and then, I'll, and then even though we've dominated the Yankees, I still, I would still like them to get knocked out because they're still one of the names that scare me. But once they get knocked out and you're looking at the teams that have been there before, I'm, I'm excited about the Astros' chances. I really am. It's revitalizing my, uh, my faith in the Astros watching these last two games. I've been out of the loop for a long time just because NBA, football, all this other crap is piled on. And I was just trying to tune out the Astros just because it was just one, one thing I couldn't focus on, couldn't really take it. But um, now I'm back in it. And I'm like, man, why not? The one thing the ESPN announcers said was the Astros are going to win this game and they're going to look around the dugout and be like, why not us? Are we not good enough to win? And you look around at Granke, McCullers, uh, and then you look at the offense, Altuve, Correa, Springer, uh, Brantley. They're going to look around the dugout and be like, yo, talent-wise, we're right there. We're not scared of these other guys. We've done it before. So I'm excited, man. Potentially, I'm I'm really not that worried. I'm I'm ready to see how this plays out. I'm 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 actually not nervous. I'm excited because the Astros have been there and they have done it before. I'd be shocked to see the Yankees get past the Rays. I'm just going to be yeah. honest. I know that's good. That's good. I know. I know that historically the Yankees have had the Rays number, but yeah. when you look at the Rays on paper, you mentioned you know not having teams that have made it that far. Rays have some dudes that have. They have Kevin Kiermeyer. They've got Chuck. So I mean. They've got they've got one of the best rotations in baseball. Um, be real shocked to see the Bronx Bombers get through Tampa Bay unscathed. That's um, good. I mean, I, yeah, I so agree. it's really going to come down for the Astros. I mean, obviously you can't take the A's for granted. You can't take Chicago for granted. Both teams are good. Both teams are playing a lot better than we've been playing lately. So you got it. You can't just forget about them. But if we're looking at the grand picture, it's going to come down to can we beat the Rays? Because um, the Rays are just by far in my opinion, the best team in the AL right now. Um, the NL, I'm going to look at that real quick. I don't think many of the NL games have been played. Now, this is interesting. The Cardinals are currently on top of the Padres 6-3. to three. The Padres are my favorite to come out of the NL. So, um, I, saw a kid with a, <laughs> I saw a kid with a Padres beanie today, and I was like, he knows what's up. He's a real, he's a real follower of the game. Now, you know? they don't have the pitching depth that, say, the Dodgers do. But their um, offense is crazy, right? I mean, their bats are insane. They they've got one of the yeah. one of the just most talented teams in baseball. Yeah. Marlins took game one against the Cubs, which the Cubs were going to be a real threat. So keep an eye on that. Uh, Marlins have been a sneaky good team all year long. They don't have any like they don't have anybody you would peg as like a superstar. Um, but they're yeah. just having a great year. They're getting the job done. Even with that whole fiasco they had early in the season where they missed like a whole week, they've still managed to have a great year. So yeah. Reds fell week game one to the Braves in 13 innings. Screw you, Trevor or Tyler Bauer. I'm sorry. Let me make sure I get your name right. Tyler yeah, Bauer. Shut up, um, Tyler. Shut the hell up, Tyler. Stop running your mouth. Go do something like advocate for baseball or something. I don't know. Um, I don't know. What so, yeah, is. Reds are about out. That'll make me feel much happier. Screw Tyler Bauer. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. The NL is looking very interesting. I don't really know who's going to come out of that. The Dodgers are looking very tough, but they always look tough. Then they get to the postseason and they wet the bet. So, they got the Brewers, yeah. by the way. So, that, that, that'll be an interesting series. I, I think they should handle them. Um, I guess the Dodgers are still the 
Again, still the favorite in the NL, right? I mean, well, they won't. They only lost like 15 games or something like that. So. Well, I, it just seems like every year they're, you know, you have to look at the Dodgers. They're, they're the favorites. They're the favorites to lose to yeah. an AL team in the World Series every year. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's well, the yeah, the one team, the NL team does. The one time the NL team does make it, it's not the Dodgers. It's the Nationals, and they end up. But yeah, if you know the Dodgers make the World Series, then the AL team has got to feel super confident, right? It's like, okay. It's like, oh, yeah, well, this is I, we got this. We're just walking it home, baby. They know how to lose. We just got to do and our thing. We'll be all right. We just got to do our thing. We just got to play ball. We just got to show up, really. So show up, roll it out there. It was a rough, um, week, rough week for my fantasy team, Parker. Yeah, let's transition football time. For, uh, let's talk some football. Um, the uh, Waluigi Whackers. Oh man, uh, I was looking at that man. Like, uh, what we're we're up there. We're up there in points scored. Yeah. But man, we uh had a rough week. There. We lost last week. We lost week one um, by one point, even though we scored 125 points. We lost 126 to 125. Oh and one, got a pretty easy win last week, and then this week we came up short. One and two had a terrible week. Uh, my opponent had Patrick Mahomes, who threw for like 50 points or something. So. I had him beat oh. by like 20 points, and then the Monday night game happened. I'm looking uh, at all the scores now. Yeah. Marquise Brown got like two points, and Patrick Mahomes got 50, thus resulting in my loss. So I'm yeah. one and two. I've got the 3-0 and team this week, the team leading the league. Uh, you know, the team leading the league in everything, including points scored. So The team that I, beat me just then, just I've, last week. I've got oh, the uh, yeah. South Park Cows led by head yeah. coach Brian Erbst. Yeah, so, I just played that team. I, I, I scored 139 points and still lost to the South Park Cows. So, I don't feel they, good about they beat that. me. They beat me 147, 139. I actually had a hell of a week. Um, I would have beaten now, any other team last week except for him. I will say he's got Derrick Henry and they are on a bye. So maybe that'll play to my favor. My issue is Chris Carson's hurt. I have to decide if I want to play because my own dang defensive tackle tried to snap his leg which that was a uh, terrible thing to do. Tristan Hill's a punk, I learned. Even, like, I tweeted about him earlier in that game. I was like, Tristan Hill's legit. Yeah, that Gator was, roll. I saw that. Was what great. was that about? And then yeah. he just did this junk move and, yeah, yeah made him look like a chump. Anyway, um, so yeah, I don't know. Gonna, that, yeah. Here's your fantasy football update. Uh, the Brian Erbst Cows, the South Park Cows, and then the Denver Corn team led by last year's champion, Zach. They are both undefeated. Zach's looking strong again. Ryan's Dunley fires two and one. Patrick is two and one. Everyone else is one and two except for Cody, the new cat, new kid to the league. He is zero and three. So it's a tough league to jump into and start winning games. Don't it's feel tough, bad, Cody. man, because like you got the top two who are kind of <sighs> feeling pretty good, and then everyone else is just right there. There's not a whole lot of separation. And I am uh, so on my team. I played again. I played the South Park Cows last week. Um, Josh Allen scored 42 points on me. Hey, he's legit, bro. Um, he went off. And another good player that went off, well, then two other guys scored 20-plus. Derrick Henry and Eckler uh, for Carolina. Both the running backs scored over 20. Uh, my saving grace uh, in that week, of course, Kyler Murray, 28 points. Solid, solid. Uh, Kamara had 31. Kamara's been great for me. Alvin Kamara's been awesome for me. Yeah, you picked him um, before I did in the draft. Uh, <laughs> he's just a machine, man. And then Tyler Lockett. Lockett for the Seattle Seahawks. Balling Boom. out. 20, 28 points, nine receptions, 100 yards, three touchdowns for me uh, last week. And then my, my San Francisco defense did good. They actually got me 13 points. Pretty good for defense. So, I'm right. I, I feel good about – and then going into this week, this next week, I actually feel really good. Um, 
Of course, I'm projected to win uh, by quite a bit if I look at the uh, actual scoreboard here. Yeah, I'm playing the Horn Frogs. They're 0-3. I guess that is Cody's, Cody's team. Cody's having a rough year. Yeah, so I am playing Cody's around. team, uh, and I am predicted to win by about 17 points, so we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I'm, I'm not taking anything beat, for granted. I'm predicted to beat Brian, but he, he hasn't replaced Derrick Henry yet, so I don't know how much that means. Quick note before we get on to our real teams. Uh, if you are a fantasy owner and you need a quick flex or a backup running back, James Robinson, the Jacksonville running back, is killing it right now. Grab him while he's hot. Trade him while he's hot. Uh, just throwing that, out, throwing that out there. I've got him in my flex this week. He's playing against a terrible defense in Cincinnati, hoping for big things there. So if you need someone to fill that spot, if you're backup running back or you need a really good flex for an injury, there's been a ton of injuries. Um, James Robinson, Jacksonville running back, pick him up. Let's talk about our teams. Dallas played my Super Bowl favorites right now, the Seattle Seahawks. Another T team that doesn't have the best defense, but they do have a pretty good pass rush. And uh, Russell Wilson had his way with the Astros secondary with Astros. We're stalling Astros with the Dallas secondary. Mm, yeah, the Dallas secondary is so weird because like there are some good corners in there. You got guys like Ch- Ch- Chidobia Wuzier. Uh, you've got guys like Trayvon Diggs who actually matched up pretty decently with DK Metcalf, um, who's just a freak. So I mean, you can match up with DK decently. You did a decent job. Um, but man, it just felt like there was a lot of miscommunications. Uh, they could have had an interception early in the game turned over because Jordan Lewis doesn't know to keep his hands off people. Jordan Lewis had like four holding penalties. So Jordan Lewis is a bum. We learned he's a talented corner, but he can't keep his hands to himself. I bet that dude got three holding calls by himself in that game. Don't know that for sure, but it was something like that. He definitely cost us an interception. Daryl Worley made like a diving interception but because he held Tyler Lockett's like arm. Uh, yeah, interception tur- turned over. Two plays later, Tyler Lockett catches catches an out route for a touchdown. Uh, one of three for him. Dallas offense looked okay. Uh, D- Dak is on fire right now. His second second game with over 400 passing yards. Um, just having having a great year. Now his only knock, of course, he threw one interception that really wasn't his fault. But then he threw the one late in the game. Usually a pretty good late game performer, but this week he threw the late interception. Um, and then Russell Wilson, of course, probably one of, if not the best quarterback in the league right now, leads Seahawks down the field and wins the game uh, 38 to 31. Dallas is playing well enough to win. They've just got to get over the curve. Michael Gallup had a great game. Uh, uh, Cedric Wilson, a dude that only had like 15 catches or something. Great game. Going into the game. Five catches, 107 yards, two touchdowns. Mari Cooper had nine grabs, 86. CeeDee Lamb, 565. Um, running game, not really there. Elliott, 34 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The run game just so, wasn't a factor that time. Passing game was great. Well, I mean, mm. you, you might as well throw it. They were throwing it because Seattle ha- also has a question. Well, yeah, you were playing from behind the whole time. Right. Well, not even that. Just Seattle's secondary is, is a question mark. It just, I mean, not as much as ours is. Yeah, that, I guess you're right. Dak got, him, Dak got him for 470 yards. He threw 60 passes. So, I mean, they really only gave the ball to Zeke. For, they only gave him the ball 14 times. So I mean, It wasn't like they needed to run it. I just feel better no, when Zeke's did. numbers look a little – I feel better when Zeke does a little more of the offense. But I know Dak can obviously with this with this offense, he can he can do whatever he wants to do. So, uh, it was a good game, I thought, for Dallas. I mean, they, they fought hard to the end. I mean, this is a Super Bowl – like you said, a Super Bowl contender. I'm looking at I'm looking at if you're looking at MVPs right now, 
You've got Russell Wilson. You've got Pat Mahomes. Josh I would Allen. Even, I would even throw Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers. Those both. Those are my yeah. four. If you're looking at four front runners for MVP right now, those are the guys. I'd agree. Josh I'd, Allen. I'd agree. How did Josh Allen get into that conversation? He I don't know. He is balling yeah. out. I don't want to get on the a boy big, from Wyoming, baby. Note. We yeah. watched him play in college. He played against Texas State. He, we he, did. We were covering that game. I was there. I was still on KTSW staff at the time. And I guess it was, the, it was the year I was sports. I know, but I remember I, you were the, on the staff one year later than I was. But it was the year we were both on. Yeah. And right. I, we probably, uh, I would, yeah. So why? One of us I probably produced that game, for being honest. I 100% did. I remember being in the. I remember being in the studio. Well, we for used that to have game. two or three of us in the studio for those, unless it got super. Yeah, late. we used to have a. We used to have a, a guy. We used to have almost. Three. We did a producer, and then someone who would do like the halftime show, and sometimes we'd have a second for the halftime. Just show. show. It was always a good one to shadow because I always wanted people to shadow those games because yeah, um, you could see it was it was laid back. It wasn't a lot of fast paced. It was very easy to produce because it was already. I mean, we were just streaming it off of something else, so it was really super easy to produce. But, um. Yeah, so it was always fun watching those games. But, yeah, well, Josh Allen, the boy from Wyoming, really surprised me. I was just – yeah, the only comment I was going to make was about the rushing game, but it wasn't like the offense – the offense really wasn't the problem. If you score 31 points, it's, just that, Se- yeah. it's just that Seattle offense, man. And there's well, really nothing – like well, you made your, you made your comments about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, to be fair, it, to be fair, Zeke did touch the ball 20 times because he had – he had – 14 carries but he had six receptions and he had six more targets so they were I remember, they were putting the ball in zeke's hands just yeah, not they were in the way they normally involved. do he's um, just such a freak of nature that you just want but cowboys have a lot of options so they'll be okay Tyler, they'll they'll, uh, they'll get back to two and two this week they're yeah. playing the browns if you're, playing bet, the browns if you're a betting man put the money on the brown and uh, put the money on the cowboys yeah I, I bet i bet the cowboys win that by at least two touchdowns browns are two and one but they're the browns they're just never going to They've they got they, huh? they've, they, they've got a talented team, but I they're they're not on par with you know the the Seahawks and the I wouldn't even say the Cowboys I and mean, they're just not quite there. Um, anyway, let's move on to the Texans. Texans are zero and three. A little bit of a rough start for the Texans. They fall to the Steelers. Another good game, twenty eight twenty one. Big Ben is able to lead the Steelers to a late win. Deshaun Watson. 260 yards, two touchdowns, interception. I took note of he was sacked five times. That is a lot. Not much of a rushing mm-hmm. game at all. 23 rushing yards for big old David Johnson. He did have 23 receiving yards as well. Give him about 50 yards of offense. Not a whole lot of rushing attack. Randall Cobb had a good game. Kyle uh, Will Fuller had a decent game. What, what, what did you take away from that one? Well, uh, I, I was trying to uh... – I was trying to pull this up, but yeah. Uh, so I was watching the game. I took away from the fact that it was 21-17 at halftime. The Texans were up. Texans were up 21-17 at the half. Deshaun Watson actually had a good uh, drop, touchdown drive to end it. So Pittsburgh scored a touchdown. Uh, Texans got the ball with about a minute 50 left, a minute 40 around there. Uh, Tex, uh, Deshaun Watson takes the Texans down the field, marches them down the field, and scores a touchdown. He passes it to Will Fuller. Boom. They take the lead going into halftime, 21-17. I felt like all the momentum was on the side of the Texans going into halftime. And then whatever happened at halftime, it just completely halted. It just – I mean, it just completely stopped. I mean, it just – they didn't score a single point. 
in the second half. So really, I mean, that's all you have to say. If you score zero points in the second half, you're not going to win very many games. They scored all 20. I mean, they were on pace to have a 40-point game. They were on pace to – the offense looked great in the first half, and then all of a sudden they stopped. And I think that was a, a lot to do with uh, – you have to understand that the offense with uh, – and I know they tried to run it. See, they gave it 13 times to uh, David Johnson, so it's not like they kept pounding their, their head against the wall. But in my opinion – and I know uh, everyone wanted this team to be built up uh, where they ran the ball and then Deshaun Watson had a lot more of an, like, you know, a person to hand it off to, and that was great. But in my opinion, they have to go no huddle and they have to go fast and they have to spread the receivers out and they have to let Watson do his thing. They can't be this predictable run, run, pass offense. I was looking at all the game chats and that's what everybody was saying. Run, run, pass. Run, run, pass. Run, run, pass. Every single game, the Texans do this. They get a lead, and then all of a sudden, they get very conservative play calling. They need to take a note from uh, Andy Reid and company. If you have a good quarterback, run the score up. You're never going to have enough points in the NFL to win a game. I'm sorry. You can be up 28-3 at halftime. We've seen it in the Super Bowl. You can be up like the Falcons were against the Cowboys and blow a game. So you have to keep the pedal to the metal. Texans get this lead, and then all of a sudden, Bill O'Brien, I don't know what it is, but it just gets way conservative. And the Texans, uh, even though Watson was having trouble, you have to keep you, you have to keep spreading it out. You have to keep passing. And the reason he was having trouble, I think, was because of the predictability. And when the Texans huddle up and you know they're going to run the ball, it slows things down. But if they go no huddle, pedal to the metal, which is when Watson is really good. When you go no huddle, it limit it eliminates uh, – you don't really have to be this – like I'm not saying Watson is not smart, but he does make mistakes. And so it eliminates those, those kind of mistakes you look at like, man, those are bonehead decisions. Because if you're going no huddle, then the defense is all of a sudden backing up, playing – you know, uh, they're not – they don't have the right personnel. You can bang, bang, bang. You can get a quick score. The Texans are not good at those sustaining long drives. They're good at those, oh, there's a hole in the defense. Let's strike quick and score now. That's how the Texans scored. It reminds me of the Rockets. The Rockets, they shoot those threes before the defense sets up. That's how the Texans have to do. They have to go for those shots down the field um, before the defense can get set up because once the defense is set up, Bill O'Brien's offense and Tim Gelly's offense is just way too damn predictable. And until we get a new OC, no huddle. I'm not saying no huddle all the time. But you got to pick up the pace on offense, the sense of urgency. I talk about that a lot in football. Sense of urgency has to be there for the Texans. You're, right now you're 0-3. You're not a good – I mean, Bill O'Brien will tell you, this is a good football team. We just got to get better. We got to get better. No, right now you're a bad team. You're a bad football team. You're 0-3 as far as I can, I'm concerned. You have to play with a little sense of urgency. You have to play like if, – even if you're up 21-17 at the half to the Pittsburgh Steelers, which are a pretty good football team and a great coach over there in Mike Tomlin, you have to play that game like you're down 30-7. to You don't have the personnel to run out the clock. The Texans don't have the personnel to play possession by possession. They have to go for the, they have to go for the home run hits because that's the personnel they have. They have to go for those quick strikes. So um, the desperation just wasn't there for the Texans. Absolutely. They do have a chance to get a win this week against the 0-3 Vikings, so keep an eye on that one. Well, the Texans are actually predicted to win that game, So, but I don't put any stock well, the, into the it. The Vikings we'll are see. struggling, but they do have a yeah. great run game and a quarterback that can win. 
what he yeah. puts it all together. So that's something to keep an eye on. Before we start wrapping today's show up, we did have a couple comments. I did not see them. I was looking stuff up on my phone. So I want to get to those real quick. And then Parker and I have one more debate. We don't, we don't debate a ton on this show. Oh, I don't even Sometimes know when about. we do debate, it gets intense. This one might get really intense, so get ready for that. Let's answer some, I have let's no answer idea, some comments. It's FYI. This is what makes it great. Oh, wait. No, I do know it. I I'm think excited you know about it. it. I'm excited All about right. it. All right. Yeah. We, let's, let's get to some comments. Raph Productions, he might not be watching anymore, but he said, let's go Strohs. Who would you prefer to play, the White Sox or the A's? I think, we might, have, that. I think we might have answered this. You said you said you'd rather play the A's. I said, I said I'm only. I said I'm only. I'm already looking forward to the Rays. So forgive me, but yeah, but I'm already looking forward to the Tampa Bay Rays. That and then Patrick said, "Who do you? Who did I lose to last week? I lost to you, Patrick. Uh, does that make you feel better? Actually, Patrick I think I lost the, to you week one. It wasn't last. There's week, always so. that one brother. Get your right? shit right, Patrick. It was two weeks there's ago. Al- there's always um, that one brother. He. I think he may have tried. Oh no, he messed that up too. Yeah, Patrick was trying to get at you, but I don't. Anyway, uh, Ryan said, "Hold on, the funky fire." He means the Dunley fire has the most points. If I remember correctly, you may have the lead by like half a point. If you really, if you care that much, I'll give it to you. So Dunley fire. (laughs) The Brian Erbs team has three eighty point five. Ryan hasn't beat by point five. No, he's got point fifteen points on him not even half a point so get over yourself we start talking about the we start talking about the graph fantasy league and that's when the people start chiming in because that's when it gets it gets it gets serious yeah astros playoffs yeah that's cool and all astros win fantasy league graph fantasy league is where it gets intense let's talk about intense parker and i you and i were texting this weekend this was awesome this was awesome yeah you and i you I love your character, but I still stand by mine. You and I both love the TV show New Girl. I'm watching it again, yep. I I watched it in college. I'm watching it. I got Jess onto it, so we're watching it again. You're watching it now. You said you've seen it before. You're watching it again now. I watched it it, uh, up until a certain point, and then I think I stopped watching it because I liked – because my first – well, I liked Coach, the character Coach, but I've changed my mind on that. But I liked the character Coach for a while. He's the coach was cool for a little bit of time, but he's not a mainstay character. He's not the, he's not the guy I want to hang my hat on, but yeah. So I stopped, I was like into that and I stopped watching it when he kind of left, but now I've actually continued to watch it. I'm at season five now and it's where like uh, Megan Fox kind of comes in and she's a character on the show for a while. I'm in that season. I'm in like season three in my rewatch right now. Oh, because season three is good. I think but, coach, uh, but I've coach seen all of them. by then, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, coach, but, is, coach is back already. Yeah. I just watched the episode not too long ago where he and Jess are watching the Bulls together and Nick's getting jealous of it, which is a great episode. <laughs> season four is where my character really starts to shine, in my opinion, the one we're about to talk about. See, I disagree, but I'm going to let you go first. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're talking about characters. I said I think the funniest character on the show is Winston. Uh, he's, a, he's a guy – the reason I said Winston at first – was because I said coach at first because he was the sports guy, yada, yada, yada. He was like the big alpha male. And I'm like, well, that's cool. I kind of like him. But at the same time, I don't relate to coach at all. He's a, he's a super buff guy. He, he mean, everything in life's really easy for him until he meets that one girl. And then that's when he starts to fall in love. But he's just like a super alpha male guy. 100% alpha male. That's his character. He's like the big dog of the group. But then he leaves. It's fine. He's funny, but he's not. But then you have this guy, Winston, who uh, was – he was – he was, like, okay at basketball, but he wasn't that good. He ended up playing overseas in Latvia, 
and he he was terrible. He ends up getting injured. His luck has always been bad. He's the guy who's constantly getting shit on in the show. Throughout the show, that's the theme. Is like, oh, Winston's here. Oh, I don't want to talk to him. Something's you know? going He's, wrong for Winston. Like, yeah, something's, something's always wrong. going wrong in Winston's life. So, and then he ends up getting a cat, Ferguson, who he straight up steals from this girl he's dating. So he's dating this girl. He's She wants him to like, you know, babysit the cat. He does it thinking he's in with this girl. And then he finds out this girl has a boyfriend or uh, she's sleeping with somebody else. And so he straight up says, okay, now the cat's mine. Keeps the cat, no more fighting. He just takes the cat from this girl, Ferguson, who ends up being like a pretty big character in the show. And then uh, he turns out and ends up, he gets on the sports radio show earlier on in the season. Yeah, this is like that. season two. I enjoyed that. That was that was funny because he ends up doing the whole sports radio thing. And then that, that ends up working. And then he's trying to figure out what he wants to do. And then he decides to be a cop. And everybody's like, Winston, you're too nice. You're going to get everybody – you're going to get yourself killed. And he's like, no, no, I can do it, whatever. Somehow he manages to become a cop. And then all of a sudden he's like in charge of all this shit. And it's like, dude, what the hell? And one of the main things I like about Winston too is he calls himself Prank Sinatra. Which, which means he, he thinks he's good at pranks. The hilarious part is he's not good at pranks. He goes either really small or really big. For example, on the show, there's this scene where, uh, like, he puts, like, a little raw or, like, a little feather in one of the character's shoes, and he, they feel the shoe, and like, oh, this feels weird, and they take off the shoe, and they dump it out, and like, oh, a feather in there. How'd he get in there? And Winston's over there, like, <laughs> he's, like, busting out laughing. He thinks it's the funniest. He's like, ah! And it's like, it's not even that funny. It's stupid that you're laughing at it, Winston, because that's the part he's so cringy that it just, it doesn't work. It's not that he's traditionally funny. It's just, why are you, why are you a human? Like, you're terrible at being a human being. <laughs> you're think, bad at this human. I, I, I think someone even says that. You're not a good human being. And then he, and then, then he ends up going big. And one of the parts that I noticed that I, I was like, not the wedding, but it was one of the things where Schmidt and CC in the later seasons, where he's like, Jess is Jess, the main character, is talking to Winston. He's like, no, do not prank. You're terrible at this. You either go too big or too small. And then it flashed back to uh, him and Nick sitting on the couch. And, uh, and Winston's just sitting there like, <laughs> look at your picture. It's, and it's Nick's picture. And Nick is like, did you put me – because he's a cop now, so he has access to all these lists. He's like, did you put, put me on, like, a child predator list? And he's like, <laughs> yeah, I put you on a watch list. It's like, no, that's terrible. You can't do that to people. He completely abuses his power as a cop. Just the little things he does. I don't think he understands it. I think he thinks he's really funny, and he's just not. He thinks he's cooler than he is, too. But everything he does is terrible. So uh, that's kind of why I pick Winston. But See, I love Nick because I don't think the show is what it is without Nick. And, and Nick is like so unique, and, like, and like, he's just weird in his own way. Like You've never seen someone weird in the way that Nick is. And you cannot tell unique. me, you cannot tell me that the show's best scenes don't usually include Nick Miller in some fashion. You're right. One of the because... best scenes in the show, and Winston is in this scene. It's the scene where uh, him and Schmidt are arguing about the towel. 
and and it, 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 it Nick's just cluelessness to this, to yeah. this like the situation. Like, with, like my, yeah. Schmidt's like Schmidt's like, why is my towel still like? And Schmidt's the super clean freak guy. Yeah, and Schmidt's like, why yeah. is it still damp? Yeah. He goes, he goes. I can tell you why it's damp, Schmidt, because that's my towel. It's not your towel. And they all come to the realization that they've been using the same towel for like months and months and months. Yeah, for a long time. And, and, and Schmidt goes, did you even wash it? And Winston and and, and Schmidt and uh, Nick goes, no, I didn't wash it. I don't wash Ow. the towel. The towel I'm clean washes when I get out. Yeah, and, and and his girlfriend gives him this like look. He's like, you you wash your towels? Like like he's like genuinely shocked that she washes her towels. He's like, you wash your towels? Like yeah. you wash your towels? What? Like that scene is just all of Nick's scenes. His little his little thing that he does when he's trying to get out of awkward situations. Just backpedaling away. Yeah, I feel like I relate to Nick so much. And like here's the thing. That. Here's the here's the thing about Winston. So like Winston is really funny, right? He he's a funny character. The show could survive without Winston. But I yeah. don't think it could survive without Nick. I think Nick is so important to this show. Like, I mean, obviously he's probably the second most important character because he's the one that dates uh, Jess. And then they obviously yeah. later on this, I don't want to spoil anything, but later on in the series, stuff happens. And The show actually gets really s- stupid without yeah. Jess though. There's a section of it without Jess where she goes to jury duty and it's still funny. Don't get me wrong. Well, but she's it's just definitely weird. the main character. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. New Girl's a great show. Um, my favorite character is Nick Miller. His favorite character is Winston. We were debating a little bit um, as to who the best. Yeah, it was funny. On, it was funny just because, yeah, they're both terrible. I, I don't know. I guess I relate to Winston, too, because he tries to do so. He tries to do everything right. And it's like, no, you just come off as hard. Like, don't do that. You can't do that in public. I will like, say you're, the you're episode not allowed where, to do those things. The episode where he's trying to get his cat laid and he has like this date. He's in the store talking about getting his cat laid. He's like, yeah, he has, he has this <laughs> yeah. other lady who has yeah. a cat come over yeah. who has a cat and she, and he, he and the whole time she thinks he, she's going over to hook up. She's with like, him. Sec- thinks he's talking about himself. Yeah, at the entire time he's trying to set up their cats. I, that, that was a great episode. I'll at the very that. end of the show, because how Winston talks, he's like, and then she goes, Oh, so you were talking, she actually realizes it was the whole thing was an arranged cat hookup thing and he's yeah, just like she yeah. gets weirded out trying to get my cat laid yeah <laughs> ferguson him and ferguson's relationship a little weird well really weird that's, again, part of that, that's my issue with winston winston when you get to start getting to the end of the series he just gets too weird like it's just the it's shit like that they he, push him too far the shit that he's doing has like nothing to do with anything else in the series and he's just kind of off doing his own weird shtick with his cop girlfriend that makes no sense see i didn't get to that part oh the cop yeah you're right the cop girlfriend he starts to get with see right now he's not with her yet he's just i haven't really ever got to that part i don't well, know i, have to I don't see. want to give too many spoilers because someone who listens or is watching might eventually want to watch new girl and it is a great show highly highly recommend it if you need something to coach watch. is my second favorite character by the way coach is right there for me too coach is pretty he good just doesn't stay in there long enough coach is just a one-trick pony that's the thing yeah. for me yeah. I love I love Nick and then Schmidt because Schmidt goes through so much character development more than any other character. Schmidt gets better, yeah. Yeah, so Schmidt and then Cece, of course. I think Cece has one of the more important characters in that, like, she deals with, like, a lot of things that real, like, people real of people color, real women. Yeah. Like, she deals with a lot of real issues. So I think that her character is really interesting. There, there is a timely episode with Winston, though, when he is a cop and he dates that girl who's anti-police. And this, she's that's at the, true. 
He's yeah. protesting. And then Winston has this con- tries to have this deep conversation with Coach. Because every now and then Winston gets, like, super deep. And he's Nick's best friend. I guess that's why it works. Yeah. Well, Winston he, well, and Nick Nick has, like, like, three best. So, Nick yeah. is the one that's brought all these people together. So, like, Nick is friends yeah. with Winston. He's friends with Winston. But he's been friends with Winston longer. He's been no, friends so with Winston since he and, growing he and, up. He and Winston yeah. were childhood friends. Yeah. And then him and Schmidt were college friends. And I don't remember where he met Coach, but they all met Coach through Nick. So Nick, yeah, that was just something that they were. Together. They were all. They actually had like the same. Coach was like later on. They were all watching some game, and then like they just called him Coach, and that's how he got his name. I don't think his real his real name's not Coach. I forgot what his real name is. I don't know if they ever tell us. Yeah, <laughs> we don't need to. Anyway, yeah, Coach. Uh, quick, quick, quick note: Texas State football. I'm quick. Two Texas State notes: Texas State football played well enough to beat Boston College came up short, but they are definitely just trying to get over the hump uh, from going from being a pretty talented team to a good football team. So we won't hit on them too much, but, you know, I mean, thought they played well enough to win, just got to get over the hump. Um, another really interesting Texas State note, Texas State volleyball came in at number 15 in the AP poll today. So oh, already exciting, exciting things for Texas State volleyball. They were a really good program when we were there. Um, of course, um, the famous Coach Chisholm retired, but the program is still succeeding under Coach Hewitt. That's exciting to see. Well, and I uh, just real quick before you before we close it, Bobcats are on ESPN two this next this coming week. They're playing Troy, eleven a.m. on Saturday. So, so that's, that's a big Sunbelt game. That's going to so. be a game. That's going to be a big one. And the Bobcat schedule. I was actually looking at the Sunbelt. It's it's actually gonna it's actually gonna be a pretty hard schedule, but. It's going to be fun, at least. At least the games are going to be fun. I don't know what the record's going to look like. I'm, I'm predicting maybe three or four wins by the end of it because they do play some really tough teams. But the Troy game is going to be big. If they can beat Troy, then all of a sudden you look at the schedule like, I'm confident now. I think we can, you know, do things. But Troy's going to be difficult. See how close they keep that game. Still one of the best receiving cores in the nation, I believe. I 100% so, agree. 100% agree. Yeah. Uh, normally, for those, those of y'all that are kind of our Texas State – fan base we will give a more in-depth breakdown boston college definitely deserves more of a breakdown but today just with the being the astros advance sorry so we'll get a little bit more in-depth breakdown of texas state football next week as I, I have had people tell me they enjoy it when we talk texas state football so we will talk it next week there's um, a big but, chunk of our audience i forget but that is gonna do it for today the 1203 Great episode. The Astros advance. Both of our football teams suck, but we're almost there. Texas State football is almost over the hump. Um, Haunted by New Girl. Hopefully. Hey, uh, no who, who produces New Girl? Is it NBC? Actually, I have to – probably NBC. I'm not sure. Know. No, it's Fox. It's Fox. Fox. Send us, send yeah. us some money. Uh, maybe, I see that every – yeah, get, Fox. Maybe we can get the actor for Nick Miller on the show. That'd be great. Jake Johnson, by the way, he's in a new – He's in a new animated show. It's called Hoops on Netflix. What, season one's already out. Check it out on Netflix. Hoops. Jake Johnson's the main character. It's it's pretty funny. I gotta admit, I do I do like uh, Jake Johnson as an actor. He's great. Look at us in the twelve oh three talking sports yeah. and local media. We know a lot of things. Uh, that we're not even gonna, we're not even gonna touch on the debate. We're just gonna end this thing right now. Twelve oh three. See you next week. Peace.